0: Hello friends and welcome to tonight's episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Harrison Lee, and I have a Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Spotify Greenrooms. Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. Before we get underway, I must apologize if I do sound a bit quiet and a little bit congested. Well, I am actually a bit sick. That's why I ended up missing last night's episode, so appreciate you bearing with me. Hopefully over the weekend I'm able to get over this and we will have a nicer sounding recording going forward. On tonight's podcast, I thought it'd be fun to talk about the current NHL semifinals playoff series and what all has occurred since we last spoke. Right now we actually have another game that is currently underway between Vegas and Montreal. This actually has an absence of Dominic Ducharme who uh, was actually tested positive for COVID, so He'll be out a minimum of 10 days, which will mean that the Montreal Canadiens are going to have to survive Vegas without their head coach. Later in the episode, we'll find out if they've actually been able to survive, or if things are a little bit grimmer than they might appear. Before we move to Montreal Vegas, though, let's talk about Tampa Bay versus the New York Islanders, which has actually been a decently close series. I think the Isles have held their own just about as well as you could expect. In some games, you know, Tampa Bay was definitely better. In others, it's been a pretty 50-50 split. Coming back into Nassau, tied 1-1 was probably a lot better than what most Isles fans were expecting. Tampa Bay has looked, quite honestly, like an unbeatable juggernaut. This is a team that has scoring depth, maybe not great defense, but certainly when they struggle on the back end, their goaltending is nearly unbeatable. Andre Vasilevsky just doesn't really give you much at all, so if you make a single mistake, you have to be really careful because the odds that you can atone for it later in the game tend to be pretty slim. Unfortunately for the Islanders, despite playing very well, they ended up falling 2-1. to I don't think the team is panicking, but obviously being in this situation is going to be tough because the odds that you can maybe salvage out something of a tied series heading into game number 5 maybe isn't that great against Tampa Bay. Against most other opponents, this is not a a bad situation to be in, but against Tampa Bay, it's a touch on the iffier side. That said, I have to say that the Isles have looked very impressive. I've felt like their slot attacks and the chaos down low that they create has looked very good. The problem for them is that they don't really know how to basically limit Tampa Bay's rush, which in fairness is actually pretty hard, but I think a lot of the transition game that they use coming off of forced turnovers has kind of evaporated. You know, when their D are trying to strip the puck in essentially spring breakouts, oftentimes it doesn't go all that well. Against Tampa Bay, you have to have really rapid verticals because you essentially need to hit them, you know, before they reorganize defensively and give Vasilevsky extra protection. Vasi can basically handle himself, but if he has that extra layer, it's just a lot harder to get through Tampa Bay. So the Islanders are going to want to figure out how to speed things up and get that extra level of offensive edge against this team. That's said, again, they were pretty good in that, that game number three, and I thought that, You know, from what I was able to catch of the game, it was a pretty even outing. So, uh, you know, Game 4 maybe could be a a 2-2 split for the Islanders. I wouldn't be shocked if they managed to tie the series. What is interesting is that for as much as Barry Trotz has done for this Islanders team, he did not actually win the Jack Adams Trophy this year. That one went to Rod Brindamore, which, you know, Brindamore, I don't think you can really say doesn't deserve it either, but... When I look at the teams out there and the amount of talent that the Islanders have and what Trotz has managed to do with his team, I really feel like he deserves credit as being perhaps my number one pick for the, the Adams trophy. It's not quite as bad as like the uh, the snub for Hellebuck on the Vesna finalist list, but certainly Barry Trotz probably does deserve more of a mention. Mike Sullivan is definitely up there too, but I have to say that Trotz for me just has that extra layer. You know, Barry seems to be very consistent. He's gotten the Islanders through some really difficult times in the series. When he was with the Caps, I felt like his idiosyncrasies kind of kept him from being that next-level coach, but it seems like over the years he sort of figured out how to at least mitigate the impacts of some of his weaker decisions. He still has his love of some really bad fourth-liners and stuff here and there, but for the most part, you know, Trotz does a pretty good job defensively. I think his teams are always better than the sum of their parts. Watching the Caps under LaViolette and uh, Todd Reardon really shows that Trotz probably was at least in part, one of the main reasons why the Caps were so perennially successful. That team is still very good on paper, but Trots just took it to another level. We'll see if he can actually do enough to get the team past the hump. You know, this, this playoff hump has always been something that, for the Islanders, has been a bit of a mountain they can't really surpass. Running into Tampa Bay last season, when Tampa Bay was at the best form of its life, was certainly not an easy task. And this Tampa team, while technically not quite as good, is still very strong and very dangerous, so... Yeah, the Islanders have a really tough uphill battle, but everyone sort of knew that. I'm sure the Islanders are viewing at it as a great opportunity. All you need is three wins, and if they tie the series tomorrow, you never really know. Semyon Varlamov will probably have to be near perfect in net. he's been very good so far, But, you know, that defense maybe wants to clean up on some of the messier turnovers. And if they can find a few more even-strength goals here and there, you know, maybe the Islanders have a chance. Not many teams I felt were going to be an actual test for this Tampa Bay squad, but somehow the Islanders, against all odds, they're pushing Tampa Bay to the limit. Even if New York ends up falling in this series, I don't think that they can be really upset about it because the effort and, and performance has certainly been almost there. It's just that they're still lacking that extra level of talent that might be able to push them over that next level. We'll see, though. They've got plenty of time to make up the ground, and thus far they've done a good job of showing that they're a resilient team. Speaking of resilient teams, in just a moment we're going to take a look at Vegas versus Montreal. This game decidedly less even than the last one between Tampa Bay and the, uh, the Isles. Even between Habs and Vegas in their previous meeting, that game was probably a little bit less one-sided than this one. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs and specifically the semifinals. We took a look at a tightly contested series between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders. And now we have Montreal versus Vegas, which surprisingly has been pretty lopsided in this game number three. Head coach Dominic Ducharme was ruled out with COVID. He had a positive test. At first, they said it was a regular testing, but then they confirmed that he was actually testing positive. So now he'll be out for at least 10 games. This could actually have a pretty sizable impact on the series. Ducharme, you know, while he wasn't perfect to begin with, seems like he started reverting back to what Claude Julien used to run. And those rapid aggressive systems usually fit the way that Montreal's roster is built. So, not having Ducharme behind the bench... It looks like it's already having an impact. In the first couple of periods, Montreal basically has not generated much of anything. I think through two periods, the Habs had less than 10 shots, which is pretty ugly. Or if it was more than 10 shots, it was like maybe 12 or 13, so pretty ugly performance. Meanwhile, the Knights are definitely running up the shot clock, but thankfully for the Habs, Carey Price has been an absolute wall. I think he's one of the biggest difference makers in this series, and he's really kept Montreal alive, which is kind of funny because... Price in the regular season, you know, he certainly had his ups and downs. He's one of the more hotly debated goaltenders because a lot of folks think he's still brilliant, and the truth is, it's not always that way. Price's performance over the years hasn't exactly been outstanding, but in this series, he's been pretty darn brilliant. It's hard to find much fault with him, and as we have just a few minutes left, he's already faced 37 shots, and somehow, Vegas is only up 2-1. The Knights' D has been very active, their forwards have been pretty dangerous, lots of high-to-low plays, some really good diagonals and stuff, but I will say that the power play I haven't really been impressed with. I've felt like Montreal has actually been more dangerous on the power play, which, odd to say, the Habs' PK has also been effective at pressuring Vegas and getting them into uncomfortable spots, but at even strength it's definitely not close. I think the only thing that Montreal can really hope for is that they find a lucky shot from somewhere, maybe get a greasy angle, Fleury just hasn't really been tested much at all, so, you know, Montreal may be able to catch him napping on, like, a weird angle or something. You know, every once in a while, Flurry will let in something that's pretty egregious. He's been good tonight for the most part. The one goal against was from Cole Caulfield. There wasn't much that he could do on it. Caulfield was basically in on a breakaway, and the way that the breakaway was created was yet another indirect pass off the walls. Montreal has been doing like these weird slight dump-and-chase things where they're rebounding it off of the walls to get it past the defenders Or just sort of chipping it overhead It's interesting that it continually works against uh, Vegas's D because the the Knights blue line is actually very active and very fast at recovery That they don't seem to pivot and recover the pucks as easily with these sorts of dumps seems to be an interesting trend with them And Montreal may have a chance to create a couple more goal-scoring opportunities out of this if the Knights don't really adjust It's kind of funny because Vegas is defensively very stout they really don't give uh, their opponents much, certainly Montreal in this game has had almost nothing going. These plays, though, have worked, I think, three or four times in the series, so maybe there's something to it. If the Knights can't really shut this down, they're going to keep leaving just a bit of a crack here for Montreal, which I, I think you need to stamp out the Habs. You really don't want to give them any sort of time to recover and cast the seeds of doubt in, in Vegas's mind. With Ducharme out, though, I kind of think Montreal is pretty much toast. You know, Dominic probably had a lot of the right ideas and and tactical approaches here with the current running of the roster, and I don't know if the assistant coaching staff can really replace him. Again, I'm not a huge fan of Ducharme, but I felt like he learned enough lessons, and he kind of reverted back to some of the stuff Julian used to do in a way that was getting results. Without his leadership behind the bench, it's going to be very interesting to see if Montreal can actually do more than just I don't know, rely on Carey Price. That's been the story of this game tonight. Unfortunately for Price, he can't stop everything. The second goal against from Petrangelo was maybe a little bit on the soft side, but again, I don't really think you can blame your goaltender, who's basically been the only reason Montreal's even in this game. This looks more like what I expected from this series, and to be honest, I think Montreal's probably in serious trouble. They've given Vegas a pretty decent run for their money, but I think at the end of the day, the Knights are just too deep and too skilled to really be... At a state where Montreal really has a chance, but right as I say that, Montreal has actually scored off of a really bad bounce that somehow just got past Fleury, came out in front of the net, and allowed them to tie it. If that's the sort of bounce that occurs, maybe uh, maybe somehow Montreal is in a good position to try and force overtime and stuff, but... You know, I, I still think Vegas is probably going to win this game. Somehow, though, they always find these weird opportunities that probably shouldn't happen. Bad puck play, bit of a misfortunate bounce from Vegas, so... I just said earlier that Flurry hadn't been tested and that that might come to bite him in the butt. Maybe that's the situation there. I don't know if leaning on Carry Price is a method of, of success here, but... Montreal, they continue to find a way... If they can win this game, they have a sizable advantage in the series. A 2-1 lead going into game number four would be a huge boost because Vegas, at home, it's tough to beat them. This Knights team still seems to have the depth and skill to get by just about anyone, so I'd be real hesitant to bet against Vegas, especially in this game. You know, they've been the much better squad. It's going to be tough for Montreal to find an overtime winner here. If indeed it does go to overtime, there's about a minute left. It'll be shocking if somebody scores before the end of regulation here, but if they do, whew, what a game it's been. I did pause recording here for a moment to see what exactly would happen in overtime, and Montreal actually came out looking pretty darn good. They were the much better team after basically not doing anything during regulation. I don't know if Vegas just ran out of gas, but uh, Montreal basically came out with a huge purpose, seemingly ready to win this one, and Josh Anderson collected an aerial puck, and after tying the game to force overtime, actually scored the game-winning goal. The Habs got a nice little two-on-one with Paul Byron and Josh Anderson, Anderson not missing this one, You know, Anderson has had a strange career with the Habs. When he was with um, Tortorella's Blue Jackets, I thought he was a monster forward. Ever since moving to Montreal, though, a lot of his game has basically been drive to the net and then fumble the puck. He needed more than most other players, a really big outing after not having recorded points since, like, April. So, it was cool to see him actually do well. He's a very talented player. There's certainly a version of him that's going to be a lot better than this. I just don't know if we're going to see it with the Habs anytime soon beyond this special game. I'm sure the talk of this game will, aside from Josh Anderson's performance, be the non-cause, which the refereeing was just atrocious, and it was especially egregious as we went into overtime. I get that the officials don't really want to affect the game score as much as humanly possible, but not calling stuff that's very obvious, like a 4 minute double minor, that feels like a pretty egregious whiff and one that you can't really excuse, so... Yeah, not a great performance from the boys in Zebra Stripes. We're going to have to see a lot better from them. These are supposedly the best refs in the business, and... eh, It's a little bit rough, folks. It is a bit rough. Still, the Habs persevered, and they are now up 2-1 in the series. What a turn of events, folks. That will do it for our current playoff coverage. We will have more thoughts this weekend from tomorrow's game. Long live the underdogs. Up next, I thought I would continue our football Euros coverage with some fun thoughts about some of the games that occurred over the past couple of days. Before then, though, I thought you should know about why Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. For those of you who have listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Bilt Bars. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, they're so good because they're the only protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. They come in nine delicious flavors like coconut, coconut almond, raspberry, double chocolate, and more but you should always stay tuned to their social media and website channels because they have a habit of releasing very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good. You don't want to miss standouts like Churro Puff and the other very special flavors that Bilt Bar has on offer. As good as Bilt Bar's tastes, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130-170 calories, 4-5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. They're perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain your weight or build additional muscle mass, or even just looking for a guilt-free snack. To place your order, go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, it'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've covered our NHL playoff series coverage so far, you know, Montreal beating Vegas in overtime. The Islanders falling 2-1 to to the Lightning. Overseas, though, there is another very interesting playoff of a sort, not exactly the same structure, but hey, it's pretty fun sports, and that, of course, is the Euro 2020. We've talked a lot about this competition because it's great fun, and a lot of hockey fans are also uh, European football fans. So if you missed it from yesterday, we saw Belgium seeing off Denmark 2-1 in a very emotional game. It was the first game back without Christian Eriksen for Denmark. They did a nice tribute during the match. And for about half the game, Denmark was actually very much in control. They were up 1-0 within 90 seconds, and they looked like they were just schooling Belgium. But then Belgium put on Kevin De Bruyne, and the entire complexion of the match changed. It's rare that you sub on a player who has such a formidable presence, but KDB's just built different, and I think if you've ever watched what De Bruyne does and how he architects the field, you'll understand why he's such a difference maker. Um, I believe Lukaku also scored for Belgium, so a really well-rounded performance. Denmark probably a bit stunned by this result. I felt like they had the run of form. Certainly for the first half, they were dominating Belgium, looked completely in control, and then the game just suddenly turned on a heel. The Netherlands versus Austria was a little bit less, uh, I guess, crazy in that the Netherlands tended to look mostly in control. Austria had a lot of trouble creating inside Netherlands' final third. I'm not super fond of the Dutch squad. I think that there are some coaching and tactical deficiencies, but for the most part, they're a pretty good team. They'll advance pretty handily to the next round and very likely advance a further round, but I don't see them being like a Final Four or something like that. They're the kind of team that's very decent, but not outstanding, and I think that that, as they go deeper into the competition, that sort of lack of quality is going to show itself. It could also be that I just don't really trust Frank DeBoer, but maybe he has learned a few things since the past couple of years? Don't know. I've seen the Dutch have really good performances, and I've also seen the Dutch completely collapse, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle the rest of the tournament. Austria is no slouch, that's a pretty difficult team, so a 2-0 win, not something to sniff at necessarily. On the stranger side, today we had Sweden and Slovakia, and Sweden barely won won 1-0 in a game in which they controlled a lot of it, and then just sort of didn't really do anything with that possession and control. This is one of those games where it feels like... Sweden was maybe trying to be really pragmatic and very much to the point, get the result, go home, but the actual football itself, it was pretty disgusting. They basically route everything through uh, Forsberg and Isak, which is fine because Isak and Forsberg are both very creative players, but oftentimes it feels like those guys are on a bit of an island, and the rest of Sweden doesn't really provide a lot of support. Robin Quaison also sitting on the bench doesn't really make sense for me. I know that they have that guy Berg as their um, one of their attacking center forwards, but... Berg is not really that good, Kwaison's much better. So, not starting Kwaison for me is very strange. You know, you can basically deploy Kwaison anywhere up top and he'll provide effective value, especially in space creation and finishing. Kind of crazy that they don't turn to him more often. But yeah, Sweden, strange one. And then the other result that we had was Croatia versus the Czech Republic. And uh, Patrick Sheik was probably one of the more notable players. Sheik has been a monster in this tournament. I think he's got like three goals or something already. A lot of people really didn't know anything about Sheik until he arrived into this tournament. Which is kind of funny because he's had a bit of a, I would say like a journeyman's approach to this. I believe he was with Roma for a while. Didn't really pan out. Got loaned out. And then ended up at Leipzig. Sold from Leipzig to Bayer Leverkusen. And since then he's just been on fire. Sheik's an interesting lesson in patience. I think a lot of people had written him off as he was into his early twenties and looking like, frankly, a bit of a a bit of a disappointment. I know that Patrick was, you know, heralded as a potentially great check forward, but it just never seemed to pan out. Some players though just take a bit of time to blossom, and Sheik is finally starting to hit a stride. And for the rest of the Bundesliga, that's going to be bad news because Sheik with Bayer Leverkusen is a menace. Although I don't know if he'll actually stay there for very long. With his performances for the Czech Republic, and certainly with his performance in the Bundesliga, you have to think a lot of people are going to be calling for his name. He's a quality young player in his prime, and I have a feeling that he will continue to be a very prominent goalscorer of the future. The only other Euros match we had on tap was England versus Scotland, which, because I was not feeling well, I actually slept through, but apparently I didn't miss much. It ended nil-nil, doesn't sound all that thrilling. Harry Kane may need a bit of a resuscitation, because he does seem to be absent on the pitch. We'll have some more Euros coverage tomorrow. We've got a couple of big matchups like Hungary-France, Portugal-Germany, and then Spain and Poland. Plus, our usual NHL playoffs coverage. But for tonight's episode, that will do it. Before you log off, don't forget to check out another fantastic podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite media. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!